What's up? Welcome to the Fit Trials Podcast. I'm Tori. I'm an online fitness coach possessed by cultivating fitness transformations. I take the exhausted, tried everything individual and breed them into a healthy lifestyle machine. With guest appearances from other entrepreneurs in all industries, we tackle the trials and tribulations of fitness and business together and have a little fun in between. So if you're ready to level up, let's dive in. What's going on, podcast fam? Welcome back to another episode of the Fit Trials podcast. I'm Tori. I am your host. You can find me at the Fit Trials on most social media, and I absolutely love to get to know my audience. So if you are a new listener, if you just found me, I would love to get to know you, become friends with you, and support you in whatever way that I can. So shout me out on Instagram, look me up, shoot me a DM. Let's become homies. And with that, if you are new, you might not have or you might have heard my last episode, which I talked pretty extensively about the obesity epidemic going on here in the United States. And what kind of coach, what kind of fitness professional would I be if I dished all the facts with nothing to go off of them or any recommendations without giving you any recommendations after I just spew a bunch of statistics, right? So this episode is to follow up on that episode, and I'm going to be giving you 10 healthy behaviors you can start today. So things that you can literally do as soon as you finish this episode or while you're listening to this episode, wherever you are, 10 healthy behaviors you can start today. But since I'm kind of on a roll with starting episodes with statistics, um, I thought I'd throw just a few more your way just so we can kind of keep the education going, you know, keep the knowledge rolling. So the leading causes of death in the U.S. are heart disease and cancer by a long shot, like in the half million six figures. After that is random accidents in the hundreds of thousands. Um, That would be like car crashes or unexpected incidents. And oh, wow, that's a... That is a depressing way to kick off an episode tour. Great job. Um, The average life expectancy in the U.S. is between 78 and 79 years old. We are ranked 46th in the world for life expectancy, which is not ideal and not what is expected for a developed country. Only 23% of adults in the U.S. spend two days doing strength conditioning and 75 minutes of vigorous physical activity per week. So only 23% of adults fit that national physical activity guideline and almost 14% of us adults still smoke cigarettes. My point is not to be depressing and bum everyone out with these statistics. Like these are the facts. This is real data from the CDC, very reliable resource for Lots of these statistics, but my point is there's room for improvement. So I am here to help supply that improvement. (laughs) So healthy behaviors you can start doing today and hopefully implement for the rest of your life. Let's just roll right into it. Number one, which is probably the one that falls on deaf ears all the time, but literally is so important, is drink more water. Drink more freaking water. Seriously, if you are sitting there and you're like, oh, I think I have like a glass of water a day. What are you doing? Actually though, at bare minimum, you should be having 64 ounces per day, that bare minimum. I encourage my clients to drink closer to 128 ounces a day, especially if they are 
um, of larger stature. I have a lot of really tall clients <laughs> and all of my clients are active. So if you are active, if you are larger in stature, you need to be having more than eight glasses a day. Yes, you get trace amounts of water from the foods that you eat, like fruits, vegetables, etc. but it's trace amounts. It's not enough to really supply the bulk of your hydration. So how should you drink more water? How do you do this? Well, get a reusable water bottle. That's a really great tip. Attach yourself to it. Anyone that knows me knows I go absolutely nowhere without my hydro flask. I have to drink water cold. I'm not like a lukewarm room temperature water drinker. I have to drink my water ice freaking cold. So I have a stainless steel hydro flask and it keeps my water cold. It is 32 ounces, so it holds quite a bit of water. I can refill it. It has a straw. Straws are literally the best hack ever. If you have a straw in your water bottle, it's going to be a lot easier to drink it. Um, don't go anywhere without that water bottle. It needs to be your best friend. <laughs> or if water is simply unbearable for you to drink, if you're one of those people who's like, I just don't like water. I don't like the taste of it. It's boring. Then sparkling water is a great alternative, or you can even use crystal light or lemon or like lemon juice, or you can use those Mio flavorings. No, they will not kill you. They're probably not ideal if you were to drink those every single day, every single time in place of regular water, but everything in moderation. This we know. So number one, drink more water, please. Please do that. <laughs> please. Number two, adopt the puzzle piece plate theory. I made this up, at least the name. I haven't seen it anywhere, so copyright the fit trials puzzle piece plate theory <laughs> it's also been adapted in many other ways this is just the way that i like to look at it number 1 your meals need to include four things protein a healthy fat ideally a complex carbohydrate but some sort of carbohydrate source and a vegetable pretty simple right protein fat carb veggie protein fat carb veggie those are the four things that your plate needs to contain i rapid fire quiz my clients on common meals they would make or i ask them from whatever diet audit we did that week what meal changes they could have made in order to fit that theory and i ask them to fill in the missing pieces if you're confused on what foods are protein fat carbs etc i've made a few ig posts about it and you can also print off lists from google just be kind of watchful where you get those sources from um for example something from a published peer-reviewed study is going to be more reliable than like a BuzzFeed article or a Pinterest pin. So I would just be watchful of that. But typically your proteins are going to be um, meats, tofu, beans, edamame, things like that. So proteins, fats are going to be like oils, nuts, seeds, avocado, and carbs are going to be like your grains, fruits, vegetables, kind of. Vegetables have such trace amounts of carbohydrates, most of them anyways. So I actually just, that's why I secular them in their own category. So protein, fat, carb, veggie, that's what your plate should contain. Number three, recognize that hunger and appetite are totally different, right? Appetite is psychological. Hunger is physiological. Hunger is legit. Hunger is real. And the problem with today is that we have a lot of false hunger cues because our appetite is just constantly stimulated. We constantly have 
ads in magazines or if we're watching TV, like how many food commercials do you hear on the radio or while you're watching TV? Appetite is psychological. If you literally are looking at food, your brain is telling your body that you're about to eat if you're staring at food. That is the actual psychological response going on. So the problem with today and one of my issues with intuitive eating is that for someone who has been not conditioned or has not practiced any kind of intuitive eating, it's very difficult to identify what is real hunger and what is just appetite, especially if you're someone trying to lose weight. Because when you are trying to lose some body fat, you're probably going to be in a caloric deficit or hopefully if you understand the rules of (laughs) how to lose weight, the literal only rule is to be in a caloric deficit. But it is very hard for someone to manage or identify that actual hunger and how to work with it and understand it if they have never spent time doing that. A lot of my clients have never practiced any kind of mindful eating. And so I've actually had clients say, I have no idea when I'm full. Sometimes I eat and I eat and it's just like I start hungry and then I start eating and then all of a sudden I'm stuffed. There's no in-between. There's no gauge to figure out how to stop eating because their hunger is just, it's very difficult for them to identify. So eating is an emotional experience, yes, but you shouldn't be addressing difficult emotions or pacifying them with food. If that's what your soul needs occasionally, like if you need a glass of wine because you just like, that is your, that is your calm. If you need to go run to Sonic and get a milkshake or something, just because that is what your soul needs that day, that's chill. If that's happening all the time, though, if every bad emotion, if every stressor has to be resolved with food or something else, something else has to fix that issue, that is not what you want. Food. That's not food's role in your life. Food's role is not to pacify your emotions. Food's role is to fuel your body. I always say that there's almost nothing red wine can't fix, but if I needed red wine to solve every emotional turbulence I have, and I don't have a lot, I am a pretty stable, pretty neutral person. If you know me personally, I am pretty, pretty flatlined. <laughs> so if I, even if I had to have red wine for every emotional turbulence that I experience in my waking life, I would be walking around drunk all the time, right? Even as someone who is, I would say, very emotionally stable. So for someone who is going through a really tough time in life, like given the fact that there's been a global pandemic, if that person is going to food or going to alcohol or whatever for every single negative emotion in the time of a global pandemic, that's a lot. And I and I and I recognize that a global pandemic is an extreme example. And I'm not about extremes, but that's the example I'm going to use because that's what's going on right now. But if you're someone who just had a breakup or if you're someone who just had a fight with a friend or an argument with a relative or something like that, and you're going to food or you had a bad day at work or you had a fight with your kids or something, right? Like stuff comes up every single day that pisses us off <laughs> or makes us sad or emotional. Like we are emotional beings. We're humans. If we use food every single time something like that happens, where are we going to be? That doesn't serve us, right? Food is supposed to be used as fuel. It's fuel. It's not supposed to be used as emotional pacifiers. So I really, really want to emphasize that hunger and appetite are totally different. It's really important to hone in on those skills and recognize hunger when it's real. So how do you do that? Number four, use a hunger scale when you eat. 
This has been adopted in a lot of different styles of eating, a lot of different um, educational books on eating. I found it when I read the book Intuitive Eating. Lots of resources have great tools. So take what you need from those different methods. You don't have to take that style of eating and make that your Bible, right? Like my my history, my issue with my orthorexia stint in my life was exacerbated because I was using the Whole30 as my entire basis of my diet. And that's not what it's for. <laughs> and that's my fault for using it that way. But there are a lot of good pieces in the Whole30, like eating a lot of whole foods, making sure that your, your meals have lots of protein. There's a lot of good stuff that you can get from the Whole30 without taking it and applying the entire thing. Same thing with intuitive eating. I think it has a lot of great principles and it has great tools in the actual book. As far as the cult following behind it, I have issues with that because I have had clients who have tried to move into intuitive eating and without certain tools to back that, it's, it was very difficult for them to try and adopt some of those tools and practices that intuitive eating preaches, just as examples. So I haven't, like, I haven't had a client who thrives on just one tool. Most people need a variety of tools because everyone needs different structure and different help. So using a, a hunger scale when you eat, if you use a scale of 1 to 10, gauge how hungry you are before during and after eating. A one being like you would not even eat your favorite food in the world and a 10 being like you could eat your own arm like you are starving. So on a scale of one to 10, you can practice right now wherever you are. If you're sitting like on a scale of one to 10, how hungry are you right now? If you are, if you don't know, then that probably signals you need some practice with intuitive eating and with gauging your hunger levels. If you can kind of guess like, oh, right now I'm at like a a five out of 10. So you're not super hungry, but you could eat if there was food in front of you. So that's important to make that connection, right? I usually tell clients, if you are a seven out of 10, you should probably eat <laughs> because that's kind of like creeping up there. If you get to the point where you're like a nine or 10, it's going to be very hard to control yourself around food because your hunger has gotten to this place where you're just ravenous. And that's usually an instance where people will overeat or overindulge without wanting to, but they just can't help it because their hunger has reached that that breaking point. Contrary, if you are a four out of 10, you're like, yeah, I'm a four out of 10. So that means I'm like hungry. No, 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 that's not, <laughs> that's not what it means. If you're a four out of 10, that means you maybe you just need water. Or if you're a five or six out of 10, maybe you just need a snack. Maybe you're in between meals and it's a few hours before dinner. Maybe you just need something to tide you over before dinner. So scale of one to 10, hunger scale, super, super helpful. A lot of my clients get really, really good at that one very quickly. And that makes a big difference in their progress long-term. Number five, chew slowly. Oh my gosh, this is so hard for some of my clients who, and for me, who have fast-paced lives, who are very productive, very high-achieving people who are kind of like, I just need to eat lunch really quick so I can get back to work. Or I just need to eat this really quick so I can get started on my day. Um, if it's only taking you 10 minutes to eat a full meal slow down, sis. Wait till you swallowed the food in your mouth. Take a pause. Check in. Let your body adjust to the fuel that it's receiving. 
Research shows that fast eating can negatively impact your metabolism in terms of thermic effect of food, which we won't go into here because I just saw your eyes glaze over even though I can't see you. (laughs) But take your time. Chew slowly. Breathe. Sip water. This is a leisurely experience. The reason that the French paradox exists, the whole, the French eat so much wine and cheese and dairy and yet they are so skinny, is because eating is an experience for them. It's not something that's rushed. Like you look at the French lifestyle compared to the American lifestyle. The American lifestyle is full of drive-throughs and quick eats and smoothies and to-go cups and all of that because our our way of life is super, super fast paced. In France and in a lot of other countries that Um, You know, that you could say the Greek paradox is the same thing. A lot of other countries that have lower rates of obesity and healthier lifestyles and and longer, um, um, what's the way, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Average life expectancies, people who live longer in those cultures, it's because they take their time. Eating is a very treasured experience. It's a social experience. Um, In America, it is not (laughs) that way. It is on holidays. And we still overeat on holidays, right? So we have we have a lot of work to do, but chewing slowly, really slowing down when you eat is going to make a very, very big difference. I promise you. Try it out. It's actually harder than you think. <laughs> if you actually put your food in your mouth, chew it, put your utensil down, take your hand off your utensil, take a breath, and then do it again, you feel like your meal is going like a thousand times slower. It's bizarre. Number six. Find something active that you like to do, that you like to do, and do it for 30 minutes at least every day. Now, before you say, I don't have time, you and I both know that you do have at least 30 minutes. And we can prove that if you pull up your weekly screen time analytics on your phone and it will tell the truth. So let's just throw that one in the garbage and talk about what is something active that you like to do. Maybe you like to walk, jog, follow a yoga flow on YouTube or Amazon Prime. Lift weights at the gym, do 100 push-ups in your living room, go up and down your stairs 15 times, whatever makes you happy, man, but do something every day for 30 minutes. Can't do 30? That's fine. Do 15. If you can't do 15, do five. Something is always better than nothing. And if you continue to use the excuse, I don't have time, you're never going to have time. You have to make the time. You have to make the time and manipulate your schedule and see what things you can delegate and see what things you can hand off so that you do have time because not making time for your health is like, frankly, and here's a tough love, it's the saddest excuse alive. If you can't make time for your health, you're never ever going to have time because you're shaving off time in your life if you're not prioritizing your health in more ways than one. I talked about that in the last episode. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to the last episode. Number seven, fall in love with activities that require you to move and that you can possibly do in a group. Group activities have a really, really high retention rate. That's why I have a group program. Biking, hiking, playing a rec sport, swimming, taking your dog to the dog park. I just found out that underwater hockey is a thing and it sounds super dope. (laughs) Signing up to walk a 5k for a good cause, attending active retreats, signing up for races or events. Like you can go on active retreats like to Mexico and it's probably cheaper than if you were to pay for an all-inclusive resort in Mexico. 
Like there are so many things that you can do. Take a specific class like Zumba, cycle, yoga, Orange Theory, Pilates, F45, like whatever is fun. Like, but you got to go out there and figure out what you actually like. If you limit your options to cardio and weights and you don't like either of those, you're going to be miserable (laughs) and fitness is going to be the hardest thing for you like forever. So you have to find things that you actually like. If you played a sport in high school, like maybe you can find a rec league for that. If you enjoy taking walks, like maybe you can get into hiking because it's still walking, but it's a little more intense and it's really beautiful with the scenery. If you live in the city, maybe you can find some groups in the city, some rec leagues or some private studios or something like that and just hop on Groupon and take a few classes. Like just try things out. You got to get yourself out of your box if you're going to find something that you like. And finding something you like is going to make it easier for you to maintain and sustain long term. So fall in love with activities that require you to move. And bonus points if it's in a group. Number eight, celebrate movement. Take the stairs because you can, unless you have like 10 floors to go up or you're late to something, then take the elevator, but like don't circle around the grocery store parking lot just to get a spot at the front, right? Don't load yourself up with a zillion groceries when you get home just to make less trips to the car, right? Walk your mail, walk to your mailbox instead of always leaning out your car window to collect it, right? Like maybe you drive in your driveway and then you get out of your car and walk to the mailbox instead of pulling up and trying to save time, right? We have this kind of like toxic productivity, especially if you're someone like me who is a self-identified perfectionist and you like to save time and you like to optimize everything. Sometimes that can actually not play in our favor. So don't be a toxic, you know, productivity person. Don't load yourself up with a zillion groceries when you get home just to make less trips to the car, right? Like park and walk to a restaurant instead of paying for valet. Unless it's like your birthday or anniversary and you want to treat yourself, right? There are always occasions where you don't have to be the poster child of health. Like that's okay. Like (laughs) I remember watching YouTube videos for like girls who lost weight and they were like, how I lost 30 pounds in three months or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, like what did they do? And so they were like, oh my gosh, like I parked way, way away from the grocery store. Like I always parked at the back of the parking lot and like I always took the stairs and stuff. And I was like, sometimes I'm in a freaking hurry and I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. (laughs) So it's okay to take the elevator. If there's a parking spot in the front of the, the grocery store, like take it. Don't be crazy. But utilize the opportunities where you do get to remember how lucky you are to move, right? Like I can remember specific instances where like I was circling around to find a parking space like in Denver or something. And in the time that I spent circling around trying to find a parking space, parking space close to where I was trying to go, I could have just parked far away and walked there and made it in the same amount of time. (laughs) So celebrate the fact that you can move, right? We take that for granted every single day. And if you've never incurred a legitimate injury, if you've never had any of that taken away from you, it can be very hard to conceptualize what that looks like. I had, if you're an athlete and you had surgery or something in high school, in in college or whatever, I had an injury. I had a a knee surgery and I've also sprained an ankle. I've also fractured an elbow and it blows. I personally do very, very poorly with injuries because 
it it takes away a really, really big part of my life, which is movement. So you want to be able to celebrate that movement. You have to enjoy it. You have to love it because if you just, I mean, it's kind of selfish, right? Saying like, oh, I hate to work out. It's like, really? You hate moving the body that works and carries you and you have all four limbs and some people don't have all four. Like, I think it's like, it, it really actually, if you look at it objectively like that, it's actually so, so, so selfish and ungrateful to look at exercise as a chore. Like, it really is. I, that actually just occurred to me. That's not in my notes. I just, that just came to me right now. <laughs> oh, cry, tear. Anyways, um, that's number eight. Celebrate movement. Number nine, get enough protein. There's heavy debate on how much is enough person to person, but I will say that up-to-date research suggests that protein requirements are actually currently too low. There's still a high frequency of bone fractures and osteopenia and osteoporosis, particularly among women. And part of that is no one is lifting weights like they should or incorporating any resistance training in their lives but also because protein intake is lower than it might need to be for our optimal health. Um, a good rule of thumb is to make sure that there's a full serving of protein at your main meals. There have been studies that have shown people consuming like 4.4 grams per kilogram body weight, which is a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of protein. But they showed that that even someone consuming that much protein, it's not bad for your health. So you want to make sure that you are getting enough of it. It plays a really important role in the body. If you're only having you know, two, three servings of protein per day, that's probably too low. If you're someone who consistently feels like they're just kind of squishy, <laughs> I know that's kind of random, but if you feel like you're kind of squishy, even though you eat and work out, you might not be getting enough protein because you need those building blocks to build that muscle. And that's what gets the squishy to go away. Does that make sense? Okay. Number 10, seek out education and or professional guidance. Like honestly, to be really blunt, just give a shit. Like it wouldn't be the Fit Pilot Fit Trials podcast without some tough love. I'm sorry, but care about what and how much you know about health and fitness. Like I'm not saying go out and get a certification, but maybe you take a course, maybe you attend a free seminar, get on the wait list for my group program, fireside chats, like work with me one-on-one, -on -one, work with another coach one-on-one, -on -one, buy a few sessions from a personal trainer at the gym or snag a 90-minute intensive. Like if you just need that, like get that. If you're interested in any of those things, you can go to thefittrials.com and see all the things that I offer and how you can work with me. You can also reach out to me on Instagram at thefittrials. I post a lot of free content there. Like, Make sure that you're following reliable sources on social media. That's a huge part. Don't make Pinterest or BuzzFeed or bodybuilding.com or Livestrong or PopSugar your religion because <laughs> those are like the Wikipedia of fitness. Like Anyone can throw stuff in there like it's not, it's not accredited. Like just, just don't go there for, don't go there for your information on health and fitness. Go to professionals, go to, um, I have shared a lot of people that I follow. I think I shared some people in the last episode, actually. Um, you can follow me. If you follow me, you'll follow them. Um, but education and professional guidance is seriously where that foundation gets laid. So, if you feel like you don't know what a complex carbohydrate is, if you don't know what protein sources are or what fat sources are, or if you're confused on if cheese is a protein or a fat, or if you're confused that nut, like nuts are a protein or a fat, like 
you need that stuff cleared up because it makes a difference because it impacts your behaviors, which impacts your life, which impacts your fitness, <laughs> which impacts everything, right? So um, that's it. Let me let me recap because that was a lot of stuff. I actually didn't anticipate this being as long as it was. But um, let's recap the 10 healthy behaviors that you can start doing today. Number one, drink more water. We talked about this. We always talk about this. We always talk about water. <laughs> drink more water. Number two, adopt the puzzle piece plate theory, right? Each of your meals should contain protein, fat, carb, and veggie. Number three, recognize that hunger and appetite are totally different. They mean different things. They are different responses to food. Appetite is physiological. Hunger is physiological. Wait, appetite is psychological. Hunger is physiological. My eyes are blurring over. It's a Sunday. I'm sorry. Number four, use a hunger scale when you eat, right? Scale of one to 10, 10 being really, really hungry, one being not very hungry. Gauge how hungry you are before, during, and after meals. Number five, chew slowly. Take your time, relax, chill, chill out. Number six, find something active you like to do and do it for 30 minutes every day. Don't say you don't have time. We all know you have time. You know you have time. I know you have time. <laughs> so find the time, make the time. Number seven, fall in love with activities that require you to move. Okay, fall in love with activities that require you to move. Have fun with them. Do something fun. If it's hard, and you're not having fun, that's just because it's hard, okay? Don't don't co- don't recoil from a challenge just because it's hard, okay? It gets easier. Number eight, celebrate movement. Celebrate movement. Cherish the fact that your body can move the way it does. Cherish the fact that you have all four working limbs if you do. If you don't have all four, cherish the fact that you have three. Cherish the fact that you have two, right? Be grateful for all that your body can do. If workout, if working out and exercise feels like a chore, maybe you need to check yourself, okay? <laughs> Number nine, get enough protein. There's heavy debate on how much is enough person to person, but as we said, research shows that current requirements are probably too low, so just make sure that you're getting enough. Um, I have done a few posts on this, and I think I've done a previous podcast episode on this, but if, if you ever work with me, like we get your protein down pat, so that is an option as well. Number 10, seek out education and or professional guidance, right? So if all else fails, if all nine behaviors I just listed above are just not doable for you, or you're confused, or you don't know where to start, or you don't know the difference between protein, fat, and carbs, and you don't know what foods satisfy what macronutrient, if if you're just confused, if all of that is really overwhelming and you just have no idea what's going on, Man, it would be a really, really good idea to seek out some education, either free or professional guidance, whatever you feel like you need, that will help you immensely. It will speed up your process. It will accelerate your results. It really will. I was really hesitant to invest in my own business, and the moment I did, I did not regret it. It has helped really fast forward my business. I can't I cannot preach on investing in yourself enough. Like I can't wait until I have, you know, all this money so I can buy a spiritual coach and I can buy more business coaches. Like I love investing in myself. I think it's so fun. Um, It's so rewarding. You learn so much. So seeking out education or professional guidance is, is really, really a helpful tool. It really is. So Thank you again for tuning into the Fit Trials podcast. I really appreciate my listeners and my loyal family on Instagram and Facebook. 
You guys are just the best. Please, if you feel like this was helpful, share the podcast to your social, share it with a friend, hit me up on Instagram and let me know what you thought. I absolutely love hearing your feedback. I love getting uh, criticism so I can (laughs) do better. I love a little feisty argument. If there's anything in here that you felt like you disagreed with, like just please don't be a stranger. Thank you endlessly for being a part of this community and I will catch you on the flip.